Welcome to Source of Uncertainty. I am Kyle Swisher. I'm Robert Standifer. And thanks for coming back. So I've been traveling a lot and Robert, you've been like waterlogged over where you're living. <laughs> yeah, some serious flooding. <laughs> so uh so yeah, it feels like um we didn't have kind of too much um stuff to to talk about personally with what we've been doing with Bukla, other than kind of focusing on um what's happening on this episode this month. But yeah, what little things kind of have been going on, 1979 just put out their new module. Yeah, the modal synthesis voice based on mutable instruments elements. It's pretty cool. It's two panels wide. I don't have one, but um, I had elements in Eurorack. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, um, you can do things like mallets, you know, percussive instruments and such. It has a really nice, very, very nice sound. So seeing that in the Bukla format or the Bukla ecosystem will be really neat because of all the different CV sources that we have in Bukla, you know, that are kind of consistent across the modules. So I'm kind of excited to see what people do with it. I saw a couple of guys on Facebook, um, like Mike Thomas has one and has started posting some demos and such. People are pretty excited. I, I do really like the 1979 modules. You know, I have the DVCM and I had, the um, clouds and rings and stuff. So I really like what Wes is doing with that stuff. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm looking to forward to, to hearing more. I, I wonder how it'll pair up with the uh, Bukla bongos, you know, <laughs> a bunch of other uh, percussive. Uh, <laughs> Bukla mallets. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also sounds like I've been seeing a few reports of people starting to get their 208Cs from yep. uh, Bukla USA. So looking forward to kind of filing Finally seen that out in the wild. Yeah, I got an email from a a, um, a vendor asking if I wanted to get one because they said their pre-orders were shipping and it was a good time to get on the list for the next batch. I thought that mm. was kind of cool. I know. I sold my ESOL, so I don't plan on buying a 208C. Love them. think they're amazing. And I loved my ESOL, but as we talked about spreading myself too thin between the two different instruments and trying to make them work together and stuff, it just... It became overwhelming, so I decided to let my easel go to somebody who would really use it. And uh, the person who bought it is a film composer that does music for documentaries, and he's going oh, cool. to use the easel with a um, a program in the city where he lives, helping disadvantaged youth get into music. So pretty cool. I was happy to see my easel go to someone that would get way more use out of it than I did. It took a lot of dusting to get that thing clean, though, i got to tell you. Because, <laughs> you know, it was underneath my desk for a long time. It's kind of sad just to have this poor little easel sitting there. Yeah, I guess when you have kind of things parted around in different systems. I mean, I have 12 of my 18U set up um, above my easel in kind of one space, so it's easy to use them both or one or the other. But, yeah, when you got a big system like yours and then having the easel, I think it's... Yeah, hard. Sometimes hard to tie everything in, and that was my yeah. whole goal. Yeah. Is just like to to start this other setup to expand on the easel, but yeah, then it becomes its own instrument. I guess that's what we all kind of go through with this stuff. Well, you, we, you have a good thing going though, because you've got a two fifty nine. If you threw a two fifty eight in there, then you've got your voices covered with the easel and those two oscillators, those two sound sources. Then you've got lots of wiggle room for things like the two ninety one filter, and you know you have the two seventy seven delay. And yeah. the 296, you know, if you throw that in there, a couple of 266s. So you have a lot of 
lot of modulation and such. And then the easel is your principal instrument. And then Mm -hmm. that other stuff adds on, you know, it's like another part of the orchestra, so to speak. And uh, that's been very effective for you. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't see myself ever kind of getting away from the 218. um, Yeah. uh, Because I, I don't know, tend to do a lot of melodic stuff and and transposing sequences and whatnot. So it's like, that's always there. But yeah, it is interesting how maybe now kind of it's shifted because I have more um, power or functions within, um, you know, the full size modules than compared to the easel that the 208 now kind of becomes more utility in a way, um, you know, having an extra five step sequencer when I need it compared to then just using the Mar for, for longer sequences and whatnot. But, and then the card slot to do some interesting things. Yeah. that Yeah. The card, yeah. Card slot kind of ties the two systems together so I can, you know, run the sequencer, pulser, and stuff. Um, well, you know, I have I have a big studio full of stuff. So I have like non bootless stuff. Got the hydrosynth. I have two hydrosynths, one keyboard, and one. <laughs> where and one, where one is just not enough. Well, they're sixteen voice polychained, so that's pretty cool. Dang. And um, the, I have the little one and the desk and the keyboard, so it's got like the polyphonic aftertouch on the pads. You know, I've been talking about that a lot. And then I just got a Profit Rev 2, with the, which is a 16-voice analog synth, and my Nord A1. So I've got like a a bunch of traditional instruments, although the Heiser synth is pretty wild. I think Don would have liked that one. So that that's where I do all my melodic stuff. But mm-hmm. you're right about the 218, though, because sometimes I think, even like my 223, and, and hearkening back to the, um, the controller episode a few months ago, sometimes... You just really want that chromatic layout of the 218. You know, you just want to know, even if you don't have the D pitch coming out of the D key, yeah, coming out of D2, <laughs> you know that the pitches are going to be relative as yeah. you go up and down. They're going to be chromatic in a way. And I kind of miss that. So every now and then I check on reverb for a LEM 218 just to see if, <laughs> if there's what I could get at a good deal. But it's not and I, I use other things with it you know i have midi and stuff but it's not the same the other thing i wanted to mention was uh i've been talking with uh steven barsky who has been um he's kind of headed up uh taking on the project of uh fixing the marf firmware for yeah, the that's, that's amazing yeah for the version that that i have and in what the one that you once had <laughs> and i think we we talked a lot about on that episode just of I mean, we gush about the things that work, but also mention the things that don't quite work on this <laughs> version. So yeah, he's kind of um, systematically getting through a lot of these issues. So he just released uh, on Muff Wiggler uh, kind of what he's got finished so far. Um, so he's looking for testers. So cool. I just got my my ST link or whatever. Um, and so yeah. So you're going to go for it, right? You're gonna yeah, I'm, mm. I'm going to... Yeah, dig into it and uh, and yeah, help you know, out. Sp- so, speaking of the Marf, and so just a quick aside, I've seen Kyle I think once since December, maybe when I mm-hmm. handed off a set of modules to you in a rainy parking lot, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like I was drenched. We just ran out, handed off the modules, and got in our cars and drove away. So we haven't talked about a lot of stuff in a while, but the Marf, um, I've seen just kind of generally 
conversations on online forums and other places about the MARF and how people would like its functionality, its its um, expressive playability in other formats like Eurorack and MIDI. And with things like MIDI 2.0 coming and MPE, there are a lot more expressive instruments out there where, you know, the, as you're moving multiple sliders at the same time, different things are happening. But I thought it was pretty cool because when we did the MARF episode six months ago or so, that I didn't really see that happening. There was a little bit, you know, with the Mutable Instruments module that's kind of MARFY. And now Mark Verbos has one out that's kind of MARFY. But people want like a physical device that has, that's digital probably, that has that MARF expression in it. And as I wax poetically on this momentarily, I think <laughs> it comes back to all of the different Suzanne Chani videos that are being circulated around on Reddit and other places where she's talking about how she makes music and, and then the MARF specifically and moves away from like the conversation about the Buchla sound and instead is focusing on the Buchla expression. And so that chatter has people saying, hmm, I wonder how I can get that kind of playability from a control voltage uh, generator and sequencer in real time in my Euro rack or in my MIDI devices. So pretty cool. Yeah. 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 There's another, yeah, there was one recently that, sh that put out, I forget um, who posted that. It was about 20 minutes. Yeah. It was everywhere. I think there were yeah. like 10 different Reddit posts about <laughs> it. Um, yeah. That one was, was pretty cool. And actually uh, Steven uh, talked to Suzanne too and kind of, um, you know, cataloged all her her problems with what she's having she's still using version one um because uh you know so much of what her patch is involving uh voltages going her sequences going into the external inputs and in version two there's just there's a bunch of noise slash cv jitter so when you put mm -hmm. stuff in there if you're using it for pitch it sounds like garbage yeah, we, as we so, discovered. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it sounds like version one. Um, the noise on that is is it's still there, but it's it's much lower. So that's another thing that we kind of have to tackle uh, in this version two setup. So just different thoughts of how to kind of get through that. But things like having um, it. You know, one of the sequencers um, clocked externally. Now the uh, program pulses will now fire, which is huge. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, so it can really start kind of you know dividing pulses and and st stuff that I've been wanting to do <laughs> with this thing for the past year and a half. Um, yeah, finally get uh, going to get the chance to do. So, do you know if Stephen is looking for help other than testers, or is it? I guess this is all in a thread on Muff Wiggler, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, he's yeah he's very open to help. I mean, if there's there's a yeah in that thread, we've kind of I've posted all my problems <laughs> that I've, <laughs> I've come across and my my hopes and wishes for it. Um, and so there's a good list there. But yeah, if if you've um, if you found something that doesn't work properly that we haven't found, because um, this you know this thing is pretty complex and. Yeah. might be a, a setting there or some sort of patch that we haven't tried that doesn't work. So yeah, um, get in, get in the mix. If I posted all my problems I've had with boot club, Muff Wiggler would run out of disk space. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're self-inflicted. <laughs> That's what I get for moving modules around constantly. 
yeah, so getting into this month's show, uh, we've got Northern Light modular uh, H-series modules that we'll be taking a look at. And, of course, then having Sasha Haber and Mark Mori on the show. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun playing with the modules. A lot of fun talking to those guys. Yeah, we got 10 of the, um, or, yeah, all their H-series modules. So that's 10 of them. So it was yeah. uh, it was a lot to, to take on. So we kind of, we, instead of doing the kind of combined module overview that we, we do, we, we kind of broke up the system. Plus I was in um, Sweden at EMS for a bit of the time and stuff. So, so the format's a little bit different. Yeah. There's a, some funny stories about that system too. Like it was stuck in customs. FedEx would call me and leave me a message. And then I call them back and the person was out of the office like 10 minutes <laughs> later. Then I had it. You wanted to get it, but it was flooded. And where I live was like an island and you couldn't come get it. <laughs> and then there was, there was this long saga of, yeah. of this thing. So it's pretty funny. It took a couple of months because they shipped it to me in December and I think I got it to you in mid-January. Late, late, late January? No, early February, I think. Oh, that's right. After you got from Sweden. Yeah. That's right. Oh my gosh, yeah. So the, the Northern Light guys, they did. They were great. These were all problems on, on our end with FedEx and flooding and climate change and various other things. <laughs> end of the world stuff. <laughs> end of the world stuff, yeah. Dogs and cats. And we got our together. modules. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to put us on the hook, Kyle. I think you and I should do an in-person session with the Northern Light Modular and post it on Patreon. Yeah, we, we will do that. Um, for all of our Patreon supporters, uh, first off, thank you for your continued support. Um, and if you don't know, yeah, we have a Patreon and we usually film the uh, the sessions that we do together with the, the featured module. Uh, but with this, it was kind of different and all split up. So we didn't really get that set up. But it sounds like we're kind of able to to hang on to this, um, these modules for a bit longer. So, yeah, I think we'll get together and and uh, have a later version of this. We also do provide longer chats, other module or patch kind of breakdowns and stuff through through Patreon for those subscribers. So if you're interested, check out patreon.com slash source of uncertainty. I would suggest checking out northernlightmodular.com, uh, maybe kind of thumbing through their different H-series modules. Um, yeah, that's, good. that's a good idea because we talk about you know HED and HVC and HCO. You probably <laughs> want to have them up on your monitor so you can see what we're talking about because the letters, it's all letters. Yeah, each one's I think so we, different. we kind of you know describe them in a little bit, but... You know, with with ten modules, we're not really digging into the specifics of each each module because um, it would be a you know four hour show. So, <laughs> so you might yeah, if you're interested, you might want to do a little homework on on your end and, and check that out. Um, but I think we do a pretty good job at explaining yeah. what we're using. In it the just classes. helps. Yeah, I mean, I had to do it. I'm using the modules, and I had to go back. <laughs> to <my computer. laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of these. Yeah, they're, you know, based, um, about half of them are based on um, other year rack modules. Um, yeah. Sasha um, says, you can use a shorting bar. I'm like, where do I put this thing? Where do I put this shorting bar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they've got, a, they've, they do good little three, yeah, do. four minute um, videos on every module. So, 
yeah, it might be cool to watch those and kind of have an idea of what we're using. But um, but yeah, I guess with that, let's uh, let's get into it. I'm excited about messing around with these modules today. I've had this system from Northern Light Modular for about a month, and I've spent a lot of time kind of diving into each one and trying to understand how they work. And some of them are straightforward, which is awesome. And some of them are a little bit more complex, which is also awesome. So for today's patch, I thought, what could I do that really leverages the interesting capabilities of the Northern Light Modular modules? I'm going to call that NLM from now on, with the minimal set of modules from my own system. And I came up with this idea for a patch that lets the NLM modules do the work for me. So let me break it down what I'm using. In my system, my sound generator, my sound source is the Kane Association Graphic Waveform Generator Model 268E. And that's a really cool module. I reviewed it in, um, uh, I covered it in a YouTube video a while back, you can find it on my channel. And it essentially is four oscillators, four digital oscillators, and you draw a waveform with CV. And that's gonna be really useful when I go through how this patch works because the NLM modules are so great at generating CV that I thought, hmm, I could use that CV to turn in, turn that into sound with my 268E. And um, to kind of get a little bit into that, I suggest that you maybe look it up on YouTube or on the Muff Wiggler forum to read about the 268E if you really want to understand what's going on there. I'm also using the 281E Quad Function Generator and 292E Dynamics Manager pair that we covered in a previous episode. And my output module today is the 1979 uh, dual voltage controlled mixer. So that's all I'm using in my system. Oh, actually I left out a, a small detail. I also am using the, of course, the source of uncertainty, 266E. How could I leave that out? So what I'm setting up in the NLM modules is I wanted the CV polymorpher to do the heavy lifting. In other words, I wanted to leverage one of the programs in it to create a melody for me. I didn't want to program a sequencer, you know, like my 251E or something. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do all of that for, for today. I thought this ornament and crime thing is really powerful. It has all these cool modes. What what could I do something with this that feels Buchla-like and that I enjoy? And the fun, funny thing is, in Sasha's video about the HOC, he uses the quantizer to quantize an LFO into an interesting melody, which is essentially going up and down a scale. And I thought, that's a really interesting idea. In blues music, that is something that is fairly common. You know, you if you're playing um, up and down the scales, especially if you're playing the bass, and I thought, no, I thought this thing has a blues minor um, scale support. And it has tons of scales. I mean, blues minor, pentatonic major, pentatonic minor, folk, Japanese, gamelan, gypsy, Arabian, and so on. And I thought, blues minor, that's it. So let's give that a quick listen. Okay, so first of all, what you're hearing is a sort of sine wave. Now, please don't write in and tell me how this isn't a sine wave. I know it's not, but 
The shape of the 268E's waveform is being set by an LFO in the electric dump tour, the HED. I just have this one LFO out, kind of slow, and it's in the sine wave shape. Then that goes into the HVC for some slight attenuation, and then it goes into the external input of the graphic waveform generator. And I'm only using one oscillator right now. So if I turn, if I change the uh, waveform of the electric dump tour, you'll hear the shape of the wave change. I'm just going to cycle through that. It becomes kind of a triangle. It's a ramp. That's a saw. It's square. And then I think um, noise or um, kind of a sample and hold noise type thing, random. And okay, so I'm going to take that back down to sign. And um, so that, that's just going to be our basic waveform. Now coming out of the CV polymorpher, I have it set to quantizer X4 mode. The blues minor um, scale chosen, as I mentioned. The root is C. I just left I left all of the whatever was loaded in the preset when when Sasha and Mark loaned it to us. I kind of left all that alone because I actually like the way it turned out. But all the active notes are turned on. The CV source is set to CV1 in channel one, and the trigger source is internal. Um, zero octave, zero transpose, so real real basic. And then the attenuators for in and out on the CV are turned all the way up. So now when I add just a tiny bit of CV from the LFO, a different LFO on the electric dump tour, so I, I turned the attenuator a little bit up, and so we were getting three notes. So now if I turn that up, you'll hear So it's quantizing that LFO. Now that's a different LFO shape than is coming from my... That's, that's creating the wave. So I'll just let you hear what that sounds like. Let that wave clear out. There we go. So you can see that the waveform that's being sent out of LFO, one of the LFO that I was using to generate the waveform is a different speed than the LFO I was using to quantize. So let's switch that back to the way it was. Okay. Alright. Cool. So I like that. I'll let that kind of do this neat little two-note bass blues feeling thing going here. Next, um, I want to... I have a few, a few different ideas here. I think that a more interesting series of notes would be pretty compelling here. And I could program in a set of notes and, um, and you know, do all this the hard way. And, the, and it's fun, too. But I started thinking, if this will quantize, you know, any voltage, 
then maybe a random voltage from the 266E, a fluctuating or stored program source voltage, not quantized, would make for some interesting sounds. So I'm going to take the random source out from the fluctuating random source. I'm going to patch that right into, we'll take out that LFO, I'm going to patch that right into CVN. Okay. Well, yeah, it gets pretty high up there. It needs some attenuation. Um, so I could attenuate that with the N generator. I'm turning the N attenuator for channel one on the IHRC. Now it's at about 12 o'clock. So that, that's, that's cool, but I have this really nice voltage circus thing over here. So what if I use that instead? So I'm gonna put the same fluctuating random voltage from the 266E into the HVC. And now I'm going to patch the HVC to the CVN. Now what's different here so I'm going to put the attenuator for the um, incoming voltage. So just real quick, the HED has six channels of voltage control processing, three at the top and three at the bottom. And the three at the top go from left to right. They go from left to the middle, I should say. And then the three at the bottom go middle to the right. So I'm using the bottom right input on this. And I have the attenuator set to 12 o'clock. So now listen as I move the attenu attenuator up. So that's at about one o'clock. Now this fully engaged is, is that. So I'm just attenuating it with the attenuverter. So that sounds pretty cool. And because it's fluctuating, it's still going from zero to 10, just like an LFO, which is cool, but and then it, it goes at a higher speed. But I think that this would be more interesting and the stored program, I'm sorry, the stored random voltage. And now I have, coming out of the HTT, I have channel, turn it down for a second. I'm using the number two, which is set to Euclidean and with an X4 molt. And the base um, BPM of the HTTT is set to 90 BPM. So I take a Euclidean uh, output here and send that into the stored random source. And now I get some more interesting sounding notes. from an LFO from the HED, I'm going to plug an LFO into another channel of the um, HED, the HVC voltage circus. And now I'm going to move the input from the 266, or the um, output from the HVC 
to the mixed outfit, this little purple jet. If I can get that wrenched out. So now it's mixed in this LFO. In addition to the stored random source, I'll turn that on. Just, just adjusting some attenuators here and there. So now if you add some voltage from the, using the attenuator, the, on the, um, basically it opens up the voltage circuits from zero to 10, so I've got it at about nine o'clock. Thanks for some interesting shaping there. And you could use that with, uh, like to transpose or to correct the pitch to just in the range you want, some really interesting stuff there. So now I want to make this a little bit more interesting. <laughs> That's my goal today. So I'm going to take all output from the 260E into my 292. So you'll hear there's like a, a drone because three of the oscillators do not have pitch input right now. So I'm going to patch all three of those to the single output from this HOC to have the same melody. Pretty cool. Now, another cool thing I could do is shape each one of the waves for each oscillator differently and then have this kind of dynamic um, kind of a interpolation of the waves. But before I get into that kind of thing, I want to just change the basic waveform. So I have from my uh, 266E of fluctuating random voltage going into the HVC. And now I want to mix those with the LFO that I have coming in. That's pretty cool. So we have some kind of cool sounds going there. If you switch the HVC, change some of the um, voltage amounts, it can make for some really interesting changes. Cool. All right, now let's patch up some drums. I'm going to turn down the blues thing for a second. And the finger drums is a itty bitty module version of the Boss. I think it's the DR55 from the 80s, which is um, kind of a, a neat drum. And it's called finger drums because it has a little button that you can press to make the drum play. And so bass, snare, hi-hat, room shot. I started looking at this, thought, you know, Man, I don't make a lot of music that uses a drum machine like this, but boy, it sure does seem like it would go pretty well with my <laughs> with my blues thing. So I've got the HTTT, the HTT, I almost said HTTP, like a web browser, 
Uh, and channel one is set to, these are all internal clocks set to molt at the base speed of 90 BPM. So there's our bass drum. Just dialing in a bit. Okay, cool. And um, now I want to have the snare drum and the hi-hat to be cool. Now I could have them just doing a clock divider from the HTTT or the, gosh, from the, from the time and triggers. I'm just gonna say that. So that's pretty cool. And then here's the, but I have this Trommel Machina thing here, which is uh, mutable instruments. I want to say edges. Um, the their drum, it's a version of the mutable instruments drum pattern generator thing. And so if I take a clock out from the the Euclidean pattern generator that I'm using to um, trigger my 266E stored random voltage then send that into the Trommel Machina and then take the snare drum output from that. I just have some, I just turn the knob somewhat randomly. That's kind of cool. And I'll do the same for the hi-hat. So we have a nice four on the floor with the bass uh, for the kick drum, and then we're using this Euclidean um, clock going into the to the trundle machina to give us these interesting snares and hi-hats. Well, I can use that same Euclidean clock output to ping the 281 to open up our blues piece here. like that, I'm going to turn off the uh, blues thing for a second. And now I want to patch into the pole mixing filter. I'm going to take the all output from the 268E, go into the pole mixing filter, and then take just one channel of that out back into the 292. Let me turn that up. And let's see, I'll put it in phase in L1, turn the resonance up. And now let's patch that back into the And now if we take some interesting CV from an LFO, for example.
abajo. Also some of the other filter modes. straight from the finger drums. So if we move that over to the HPF. I'm just messing with the, the changing the filter mode on the, on the um, public filter. So see, I didn't really do anything. I let the LFO do the work of, mod, you know, of, of some basic modulation to create a, an interesting waveform. And I let the quantizer create a melody for me based on input from the 2666E. The, t, the, the time and triggers is doing all the timing work for me. In fact, I could take an output from the HTT into the trigger in on the HOC to trigger the quantization. I also have other channels from the HTT that I could send to other places and do cool stuff. Just imagine if I had another HOC to deal with here. Um, and then I just have kind of this nice little song that started out with feeling this blues beat and here we go. Now let's just change the trauma machine pattern. Cool. So these modules are a blast. Um, I, I didn't get into the uh, the eight the complex uh, the basic oscillator, classic oscillator, and the eight bit synth voice and the morphing mixer, but Kyle will. Um, this was a, a total blast. So awesome. Thank you. 
Okay, now it's my turn to take a look at the modules from Northern Light Modular. And when this system was headed here, and since it's been here, um, I've been really excited to get into using the finger drum module. Uh, whenever I try and make kind of like a drum kit from the modules I currently have, once I have all those uh, sound sources set up to do different kind of rhythmic things. There's not much else for for melody and stuff. So uh, because it you know it takes basically four voices, three or four to to get going. So what's nice about this is you've got your bass drum, snare drum, hi hat, and rim shot all in one little H module, and uh, those all take trigger ends or sorry pulse ends, and um, and then they'll they'll fire off. So wanting to make a patch uh, that kind of centered around the drums a bit, I needed to drive those. And there are a couple options in this system, and I ended up using the trauma machine. And uh, I was actually talking with Ben Divkid-Wilson about a few of these modules because some of them are are ports from uh, previous Eurorack modules, and that guy knows a thing or two about Eurorack modules. And he was telling me that he likes using the... Um, the trauma machine is based off of grids, the mutable instruments uh, module. And he said what's cool is to drive multiple sequences or sequencers with that um, because all the um, all the outputs, the pulse outputs from this, they're all kind of musically connected to one another. Um, as you're going to hear for, you know, within the drum set for all the settings that you kind of throw at it. And so he says it's kind of cool because then the sequences kind of progress in time but but musically with with one another so so that's kind of what i base this patch from uh but instead of using the uh the pulse outputs from the trauma machine to drive the sequencer i used the uh accent outs which are kind of a subset off of what the uh pulses for the the main you know bass drum snare and hi-hat uh, pulses are. So just to focus in on what the Northern Light Modular modules are doing, um, I've got all those pulse outs from the trauma machine going into the finger drums to drive all those drums. Uh, I do have that accent out from the hi-hat going into the rim shot. And then I've, so first off I've got the bass drum um, I got its individual output going into the pull mixing filter. I wanted to kind of filter that a bit more and just make a really, um, you know, kind of muddled, woofy <laughs> bass drum. I basically just wanted to shape it a bit more. I don't have anything going into the CV inputs for the uh, cutoff or resonance. And then all the drums are being sent all their outputs are being sent into the morphine mixer so just to kind of let you hear what the bass drum is sounding like i'll bring that up so yeah pretty standard bass drum there and then i've got the snare And that's just the direct out from the module going into the mixer. And then I have the hi-hats. And you can hear the rim shot in there too. Okay. Uh, also, 
for this uh, patch, I do have um, I have the hi hats rim shot also going through the two uh, seventy seven uh, delay that I have in my system. So if I bring those back up, turn it down a bit, and I'll bring. So I've got a s stereo uh, output coming from the two seventy seven. Um, I do have some stepped random voltage going into the time of that so you can kind of hear it bounce around uh, periodically once it gets a new uh, random step. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, so another module I'm using here is the 8-bit synth voice and that's four oscillators. Um, two of them are kind of mixed together or they, they share the same inputs. And then, yeah, so it's basically, yeah, four different os oscillators and they have different settings for the pulse width of each oscillator. And they have, I think, uh, eight different settings on each one. So, um, so yeah, I kind of have them making a chord, but to drive those, I have pulses coming out from the uh, time and triggers, the HTT. Uh, what's driving that is the snare uh, pulse out on the trauma machine that's going to the trigger input. And then two, three of its outputs are kind of being divided, I think by two, by four, and by six from the uh, trauma machine snare drum. And so those then those three pulses are going into the three input pulses on the 8-bit synth voice. So I'll bring that up. So you can kind of hear the three different sounds coming in as they're being pulsed. Um, and then I have uh, some pitch information going into all the oscillators and that's coming from the preset voltage source on the 218 so I can change that chord and I have that running through the pole mixing filter as well I've got a low pass filter on that and I do have the CV input uh, going into cutoff and resonance and those are coming from the uh, the CV polymorpher, the ornament and crime uh, adaptation, and that has um, I think I have it set on the the quad LFO setup, and so yeah, I have two different pretty slow kind of just triangle LFOs going to both the resonance and the cutoff. So I'll bring that up a bit. You can hear that. Yeah, so I haven't used a low-pass filter in, in a minute, so kind of fun to hear it within the Buchla system stuff. More East Coast, if you will. So yeah, that's just kind of randomly all working together. Uh, but I actually have that. Uh, so that's going into the Morphine Mixer. And in this patch, I think it's also fun to bring in the more setting on the mixer. And I think what this is, is it's um, it's a secondary output and it kind of adds a distortion to, um, 
to your inputs if you choose it to. Uh, there's kind of like a master control for that can go to all four of the the inputs, but you have a switch selector if you actually want that to affect it. I think it's blending the signal with the saw wave from what I hear, but we can talk to uh, to those guys about it, what it's actually doing. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up a bit. So that's about I don't know, three quarter of the way up. I think it's pretty fun, kind of grungy. You get way up. This is now like at 1 p.m. It gets really splatty, and you know, yeah, as you kind of go all the way up, you don't actually hear much of this signal anymore. But yeah, kind of like a quasi-distorted guitar tone. All right, so that's most of what's happening within the Northern Light Modular System. Uh, I now, um, so the accent outs I was talking about to driving sequencers, I have it driving the MARF. I have the MARF set up to do a nine-step uh, nine sequence on one side, a seven-step sequence on the other side, and then I'm also using it to drive the five-step sequencer on the music easel so yeah all odd stepped uh sequences going on here uh on the easel too i have random i'm using the 208 toolbox card and so that's what's being able to drive the uh the sequencer and i also have random going into the stages and so it will randomly switch from a two-step three-step four-step or five-step sequence so that one's kind of always changing as well uh, so yeah here's the that's the easel and then this is the nine step sequence oh yeah I gotta bring up the, the bass drum to start that yeah so basically so like I mentioned before this is all kind of coming from the trauma machine and there's these density knobs that go to um, that kind of affect how many hits are happening within the pattern. So the higher you go, you'll get more hits per, per drum. So if you have all the knobs all the way down, it won't move at all. So, so yeah, that's the easel and the, um, it's just a triangle wave from the, uh, modulation oscillator on the uh, 259 complex waveform generator and then now I've added the third uh, seven step sequence and that is the uh, principal oscillator on the 259 um, so yeah they're all pretty mellow mellowed out I don't have any of the um, harmonics or timbre knobs or anything being um, pushed up but what I have done is in the voltage circus uh, model HVC on the northern light modular system uh, I have a um, an output that has a, a knob selected to it where you can get 10 volts out of it if you turn it up so if I do I have that kind of running to uh, yeah the timbre section on both of the easel and the principal oscillator. And then I also have a uh, saw 
Bluetooth wave going into the 292, uh, with, uh, and that's pushed all the way down, or turned all the way down. But if I turn up this knob, it's going to bring in that saw wave. So it's going to be just a big harmonic sweep when I bring this up right now. So yeah, kind of fun to bring it all in at, at once. Um, and then, yeah, so let me bring in these drums so you can actually hear the thing together. So we got the kick drum in, snare, bring in the hi-hat and rim shot. Um, I'll bring back in the 8-bit synth voice. Actually, I'm going to turn down the distortion on that, but bring it in. Yeah, this is kind of the whole patch. Um, another cool thing that I've got set up is to the um, the inputs on the density knobs I mentioned on the trauma machine. I have pressure from the 218 keyboard going into the uh, snare drum, and so basically when I put down pressure, it's raise that CV on this and so the amount of hits really ramps up so I'll do that and then actually I have uh, two more outputs from the uh, pressure going into the bolted circus and that's being attenuated and going into the kick drum and the hi-hat so when I you know, apply full pressure the snare is probably uh, getting you know like 10 volts where um, the bass drum and the hi-hat are probably getting five volts or so so they don't kind of go you know max craziness so yeah if i kind of so you kind of add fills where needed uh, i also have pitch from the uh, 218 going into the pitch of the three sequenced oscillator so i can transpose it and then i'll also um, transpose the pitches going into the 8-bit uh, synth voice um, at the same time. So yeah, that's basically it. Um, I think I'm just going to play this one out for a bit. Let me bring up that distorted 8-bit synth voice a little bit. I'll, I'll add some Paul Reverb, because you know, why not? And uh, yeah, thanks for listening.
Okay, so we've got uh, Sasha Haber and Mark Bory here from Northern Light Modular. Uh, can you introduce yourself so we can match the uh, voice to the name? Yeah, well, it sounds like I'm going to start. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I am Mark Bory. Um, so uh, I do live in Ireland, but I'm French, as uh, accent probably gave away. Um, and I'm half of Northern Light Modular. Ja, und ich bin äh, das Wiener Schnitzel und äh, Sauerkraut. Ähm, <lacht> so, ja, uh, yeah, so, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm German and I live in Denmark. Uh, and, yeah, my name is Sascha and uh, I'm the other half and of Northern Light Modular. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it's been um, a long time coming. Yeah, you guys have been on the list from the start. And patient. Um, <laughs> so I guess to start off, let's jump back and have each of you kind of tell us uh, when and, and how the, the Bukla bug bit you. Maybe we'll start with you, Mark. Yeah, yeah. No problems. No problems. Um, it, it, it's a bit of an odd one. I came, I definitely came into Bukla with uh, DIY and I, I kind of started my modular journey with, uh, with DIYs many moons ago. Um, mm -hmm. I can't ex I can't exactly which uh, I built the Zogs box at some point, and pretty much after that, realizing that I could build build instrument, looked into into modulars, and at the time, one of the first modules I built was the two nine two low pass gate. Um, mm -hmm. There was PCB uh, around made by somebody called Thomas White. Um, and that was one of my first models and with Vectrol and everything. So it was, it, it, it really blew my mind at the time. And pretty much after that, I built uh, a pair of 258, which uh, PCB were, were, were made by a guy called Dustin Stroh. And I kind of, okay. I kind of decided that that's, that's the way, that's the way I wanted to go. Uh, and I really liked what the, the, the book last stuff. Um, a bit later on down the line, though, I built a lot of Serge um, and then went back into into Bukla fully. So all the formats, basically. It pretty much, yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> I built some Eurorack as well and some Five U um, as well. Mm. Uh, so it might have been a bit of my 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 downfall and. Um, <laughs> and at at some point, to be honest with you guys, I was uh, I was a bit sick of having different format, and and that's I kind of our jump to Serge. I like the idea of having a, a full panel being either a voice or a full sequencer. Mm -hmm. That seemed I, I really like the aesthetic. Or already quite early when I started playing with different format, for you was for me the best format. I, I mean. I'm a I'm a pretty tall person. Uh, Eurorack mm -hmm. is quite tiny. I wasn't as, as comfortable with Eurorack that I was with for you. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have very delicate hands. You know, long fingers <laughs> to. Oh man, we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get so many emails after that. <laughs> yeah, for, for 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 sure. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm, I'm, I, I am actually very tall. I'm like two meter high, and um, 
No, uh, yeah, for you is is really is really the the you know the good balance between Euro and and Five U, obviously, and yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's for me it's the ideal size. And what about you, Sasha? Oh, um, I'm totally late to the game. A um, couple of years ago, I I stumbled up, uh, upon the the TTSH kit from John, and yeah. that was basically the first thing that I I ever built. So um, I'm normally like a like a computer person. And uh, I mean, I, I work in, in special effects, so uh, for for me, it was always the visual appeal to things, and I I loved uh, looking at an an ARP two thousand six hundred, and suddenly there was this thing that I could just build myself. So, um, yeah, I jumped right in that, and and it worked. So everything just worked right away, and I'm like, okay, if I can build this, what else can I build? And um, I looked into. And that was your that was your first DIY kind of or like is, soldering experience yes, ever or ever. Wow, oh, wow. St- started big, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it took a while. It took a while, but yeah. um, I mean, but I, I took it really easy, and and I think it took like two or three months. But uh, yeah. it's it's yeah, kind of flawless. So I was like, okay, if I can do this, maybe I can I can give it some some companion trips, and so I went over to the Eurorack, um stuff because that was available from um, from Thonk at that time. And uh, it's a company that we still use for, for most of our through-hole um, parts as well. And they had these wonderful kits from Bifaco um, that was also mm-hmm. all through-hole. But uh, yeah, so I built around that and just built like LFOs for it and uh, like all the things that were not there. And at some point um, in that build group, um, someone said like, hey, there's actually Bukla easel kits uh, available that one could build. And uh, I'm like, wow, this looks totally insane. That is the next level. Let's do this. And mm-hmm. that's um, how I came in into the thing. That was one of the first thing. And Mark helped me a lot on this whole uh, on this whole process because I'm like, dude, I can probably build this, but I have no idea where to get these things. And that was the time where you still had to um yeah get some things in canada on friends or whatever and he was helping me so much by giving me basically uh, supplying me with like a whole like a full kit of all the of all the parts and Mm. um yeah so that also worked and that's that's where it started and uh, then the next thing was basically building everything that roman uh, had uh, provided at that point and uh, then um I was like, okay, next step is like e-systems, and then I started building my e-system, and now, now we're over that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so how did you two meet? Online. Online. Okay. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah, yeah. We never met. <laughs> You've never met in person at all. We've no. never met in person. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. And how long that's has it been? Three years or so. Yeah, it's been. It's been. Yeah, yeah. It's been a few years now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then, then we, we plan. We plan about meeting in Berlin like every year, and then uh, yeah. And then it doesn't <laughs> to go happen. to Superbooth or <laughs> yeah. Music Massa, you know. Yeah, exactly. But family and stuff, and work and life. That's right. Yeah, yeah I had. I had. Uh, I was planning to be in Superbus last year and ended up in Amsterdam for for that weekend instead, which was pretty nice. But yeah, there's always there's always something, you know. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I would. Well, yeah, it's ama- it's amazing what the internet can do. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's a it's a complete virtual relationship. Eight eighteen modules in. <laughs> so you met Mark online and connected over DIY, but how did that? 
lead to Northern Light Modular? Well, I, I think there was, there, was a, there was a couple of things, right? So we, I mean, but by now it's quite clear that we are, we are, we're both very much into DIY. Um, mm-hmm. I, I build a lot of romance modules as well. And I, I really, actually, it's, it's something I really like doing as an activity. And going back to the 208, for example, so I built, I built my 208. And, you know, while building it, the experience was quite crazy. I went through pages and pages and pages of forum, you know. There was um, jumpers. You needed to, to add some components, polarity. You needed to switch some legs. You needed to twist on transistors and things like that to get the thing working, right? And I must yeah. say, I was, I was, <laughs> I kind of did enjoy that part. And when I started working with, with, uh, with um, Sasha, we, one thing we wanted to do is some DIY module, but with none of that crazy stuff. Um, so with, with <laughs> so something that just worked properly. That's like right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's a novel we wanted, idea, you know? we wanted something which worked with bombs with no mystery. Um, mm-hmm. and stuff you can as, get everywhere. Yes, stuff you can get everywhere. So that's very important yeah. for us as well. Um, for example, the first two eight I built, I finished the thing and bought some U- UA seven to six um, components, put them in my in my two o eight and burned the thing. Mm-hmm. Literally, they were fake parts and made a lot of damages, and oh, that was just terrible experience. And uh, yeah, <laughs> both both of us were sick of that part, and. Um, yeah. I think as well, they, at, that, at that stage, at that time, they want a lot of new modules um, in, in the Bukla ecosystem. Um, they, you know, there hasn't been much uh, 200E modules. Even Roman was out of the game. There wasn't anything new. And both myself and Sasha were looking at some of the more modern um, Eurohack stuff, which was amazing. And some of it was open source so that's kind of mm-hmm. kind of what we started to look at. So what was the first thing that you guys collaborated collaborated on? Ornaments and crime. Ornaments yeah. and crime. Yeah. The two O C, right? Or was yeah, it the, the card O C? Yeah, exactly. Two O C, yeah. Yeah, I got in contact with, with Max and Patrick and uh, asked them if they are cool if we are doing this for Bukla, and they said like yeah. Not only are they cool, but they are they are into helping. They said they don't have a bookler system and they don't want to mess around with it, but they're, they're mm-hmm. totally cool because they want to evolve the whole thing and uh, also provide it for other, uh, other environments. So um, I basically uh, reconstructed the hardware. The, the first uh, 2OC, the one without the attenuators, is more or less mm-hmm. a port from the, from the Euro one. Um, with adapted power inputs and then the interesting part started as because all the all the cv values and all that stuff had to be not only um get an offset but also like scaling and everything was like all over the place so i think we used like three months in tuning every app that is that is in in the air in the package that they had at that time um so that it fits the hardware and um, because the idea was like like all the all these uh, modules like LPGs and oscillators and everything was done, but was what was missing was a little bit like a, let I I called it like a disting for for Bukla and and the and the OC was like uh, offering that thing, so I think that's that's where it all started around that. And you 
and but the 20c you know you have a another version that came out that had the, the attenuators yeah and i so i was playing with the um hoc and i noticed there are there's some differences in the programming you know of course uh, the behind the scenes with scaling and stuff yeah but you also renamed some of the programs i think yes, yes. Uh, when when you look in the when you look in the firmware uh, like in the compiler there's a couple of flags that one can set when one is compiling their own firmware and one of them is called boring app names <laughs> <laughs> and that is the one that is in there so the, the ones on the euro they have uh, they have very flashy names and they're but we said like ah we want to go back to the more old-fashioned thing like something that is a quantizer should also be called a quantizer right so that's that's why that's cool. I mean, it was the first time I'd used an ornamented crime that didn't have the fancy Eurorack names. And I thought, this is great because I know what a quad EG is and I know what a kind quantizer of, is. Yeah, that was, that yeah. was also my, it, my thing. We, we do like that. It's more, just more straightforward. But you can also see that in the naming that, that we're using for the modules. So in the beginning, the first one or two, they had like a little bit more funky names like the voltage yeah. circus and afterwards we were like oh no let's actually go with these um super descriptive uh, bookler things so uh, of course it had yeah to like be... tr like trauma machine and electric dump tour mm -hmm. yeah those were the first uh, first two ones that came after that yeah yeah in the clown mode more <laughs> but now they are more called like spectral resonators uh, something like that. So <laughs> yeah it's a it, tim held uh from pajo modcast and i think he said it on this show too or it was just like he's like man bukla has like the most boring names in <laughs> um you know it's like it they call a spade a spade in bukla where it's just like no you know it's not called rings or clouds yeah but it's like but it's like well it's a full system like that's how they were selling these things back in the day so mm -hmm. you didn't need to specifically market something uh to grab people's attention so it's like yeah you just kind of call it what it is i think it's complicated enough so you don't have to cloud it yeah. in, in weird wordings as well um it, it should have like a kind of a descriptive term and and then you have this massive flood of uh, faders and knobs and and things to plug in and uh, yeah the thing that mark mentioned earlier about the format i i really see it as a uh, as an experience um in in size and usability so mm -hmm. when when i did my my eurorack stuff uh, i was i was completely flabbergasted by some of the of the uh, possibilities the options that you have things like the atlantis also where you have like a whole a whole synthesizer in one module and um, mm -hmm. but but you need you need tweezers or like have smurf fingers to actually yeah. get everywhere you want it and then i had that uh, i built that easel and i'm like wow this feels good this has um i understand this and i also really love the separation in audio and cv in the format mm -hmm. um because i i just know where what goes where and what does animate and uh, yeah with all the color coding and it and even with just you know kind of the the patch bay at the at the bottom keeping it all in that row yeah i have um, to say that like the 20c and the hoc with the color coded banana jacks were a lot easier for me to use than my ornament and crime and euro rack where i have it's a really pretty panel but it's yeah, just a true. bunch of unlabeled cv jacks yes. and i didn't know what were the inputs and what were the outputs you basically keep them connected 
So yeah, yeah. Nothing against our Euro friends. You know, no, there are lots of great Euro rack modules. You you can see that that are starting to come. Uh, Random source have been have been doing some great panels for for the sales stuff, and um, mm -hmm. they've been using color colored rings. Um, you know, um, ring actually printed on the panel, uh, which which kind of help a bit a bit more. Yeah, that is kind of cool. But it's so much easier to know, like, okay, a black is always an input, an orange right. is always a trigger, and blue something is is supposed to come out. So, and um, yeah. I I'm, I know uh, some people don't like the the blue LEDs. I'm a total sucker for it. So wherever I have something that is supposed to output um, a voltage, I will put one in. Um, to illustrate how much this is coming out, and uh, that is also the reason why why we wanted to do, to do new versions for the for the OCs yeah. um, that that have the attenuators for both the input and output. Because I mean, you don't really need it for something like an LFO, but let's say you have a quantizer, and if you just go with like a two six six into a quantizer and set it to whatever, like like mono, like like blue scale, um, you still get eight octaves out, but you just take like the the input attenuator, dial it a little bit down, and you're like in a range where it's so suddenly really really musically. Mm -hmm. So the output at that the output attenuator has no function at that point. But it's the same thing when you let's say you go for a Lorenz attractor, and this thing goes like all the way between zero and ten. Dial the output just down in a way where it actually makes like a nice uh, animation. So. Uh, I'm, I was a big fan of those, and now we also have like put the LEDs in, in the small one. I I do like the LEDs and the electric dump tour. Um, those yeah, are no, you don't essential. you know exactly uh, what what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, swarm LFO. Yeah, I I would point out as well um, for anybody who uses the two TT. Um, so the 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 top section of two TT, so you can see on the on the screen on the display what which output is triggering but to have a led on each banana deck um is just much more useful you know exactly what's coming out from which deck yeah it's um we do like leds <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i found i found myself when i was you know kind of changing tempos or whatever i wasn't looking at the different like divisions i kind of was more looking at the light yep me too Kind of the how pendulum ratchet is like that. You know, you can kind of get a good idea of the divisions mm -hmm. that are going on and the pulse, the uh, clock divider thing on the two four four. I I can't I can't live without the LEDs on clocks. I think I'm just too spoiled now. Totally. I mean, it, yeah, like visually, you just you just see what's going on, and uh, then well, that's one guilty pleasure, and the other one is shorting bars. So I'm I really really love the concept on the easel with uh, just taking a shorting bar out and tuck, moving it around without having like a long cable flapping about and uh, mm -hmm. so that's why we where we made the arrangement in the in the two TT so that you can use shorting bars to combine long pulses and short pulses, and if you just flip it around to another thing, um, you get a different polyrhythm in just one cable. Yes. It's not, and that was kind of one thing too. I guess I haven't had much experience with um, with varying pulse lengths mm -hmm. in modules, like because I I don't have any like old sequencers. Or does the two fifty one also? Yeah, allow you get variance in the length yeah, of pulses. You can dial them in from one whole note 
into because they're the intervals of the note so it'll it'll sustain the pulse from one whole note all the way down to i think a 64th gotcha yeah so that was interesting yeah that was that was fun to to kind of play around with um i guess going back since you've done you also did the card version of uh the hoc Mm -hmm. um what what are the kind of like the the differences or like how do you have to um attack that differently from just a regular module the the card oc is is basically uh it's our yeah it's our love child oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i i mean okay. it, it does come across that both both of us really love the the 208 right and mm-hmm. I, I must say same same as well the 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 system of card and the card slot for something which which has been made such long time ago and the possibility of it is is it's mind blowing absolute genius yeah. yeah and it's been not only underused but uh, you know I think somewhat underappreciated um, yeah I, no you I, guys uh, with this one really kind of I don't know really sparked my imagination of like oh gosh like if you can do you know if you can put the yeah this hoc like man what what can't you do with it especially just being able to like power that module for that card right from from the easel itself Mm -hmm. it's pretty pretty neat but sorry i interrupted keep keep going with your your thought there (laughs) um yeah no i if you if you want to add something i mean yes uh the the Using using the card slot was definitely something we wanted to do very early um, when we when we started, and um, and we had we had two OC which was there, so uh, the OC was kind of ready for for being changed to the card format. And when we started looking at it, we started to look at where we could root CV outputs, and that was that was a great exercise. So, so kind of explain. It's a lot of the like because we we have we got um, a bunch of the H modules, but I haven't played with with the card. And it, so some of the kind of connections are 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 normaled, from what I kind of understand. Like once you have it plugged in, yeah, exactly. So there's there's twelve hardwired connections, and we have four CV inputs, four trigger inputs, and four CV outputs. And that is what is present on the card bus. There's a couple more, but um, that is what the what the ornament and crime uh, infrastructure was allowing. So, uh, on the input side, we we choose to connect it to the envelope, to the sequencer voltage output, to the mod oscillator, and to the random. That makes sense because they all move up and down in a way that you can tap into it. And mm-hmm. then there's one thing that is not present. Um, on the standard easel, which is all the lovely uh, uh, triggering outputs. You only mm-hmm. get them through the card bus. And there's the one that is like on the one, then there's the one that is on the three, then there's the one that is on one, two, three, four, like the standard pulsar. And then you have one mm-hmm. where you can use the the, the switches uh, above the, the sequencer sliders to get like uh, really interesting rhythms out of it. So, and when you tap into the pulsar directly with a cable, you're not getting a trigger signal. You're getting a ramp. You're getting a falling ramp down that goes up yeah. to 14 volt. And that thing put into an LPG is basically overdriving it. And that is also why some people say like, oh yeah, the, the easel pulse is so strong and so 
musically that's mm, because the thing is at, is at the limit so what we're doing is we're, <laughs> we're tapping into really really short pulse representations of these things in it and then on the output we also had four that we had to root somewhere so the most logical um, points to go for that was like lpg one and two and then pitch and the last one we decided to go for the tone and then the some of the applications are basically tailored around that for example the double quantizer and also the the sequencer one mm -hmm. so others other things like the the lfo you, you don't want that on an lpg so that's what the switches are for um some of the applications like speak directly to it and some of them you just turn the switch down then you use a cable and go with them somewhere else uh, gotcha yeah i'm gonna have to get one of those someday yeah <laughs> this thing um, this thing really just takes the easel and puts it into 2000 area so what it, yeah it, it comes from the 70s and it gets into a time machine it's like okay bomb now we have like sequencing and we have like Lorentz function in this thing and uh yeah don't i mean didn't you want to have like another lfo just playing along and maybe maybe animating some some volume up and down boom there it is yeah do you, no cable do you plan to do more stuff with the easel cat card format that you can share yes we just made a new one and oh. there it's called the the card em which is the the easel midi so to say um mm. a lot of people are talking about sending midi to the easel and doing something with their DAW. and we actually last year at Superbooth looked into making for example some effect engine that you can use alongside because i mean you you put an easel through and through a delay and a reverb and it just sounds really really good mm -hmm. um so we, we asked around if someone would maybe to be interested in a joint venture and we got so many different answers on what kind of effects people wanted that we decided not to do any of them instead <laughs> we made a controller so that thing is taking the same uh, animation signals that you can generate uh, on the easel and it turns it into midi cc and it does that gotcha. on, on 10 inputs it also oh. generates clock and it even can generate notes the format is the exact same just that you instead of connecting or uh, reconnecting it back into the easel you just have like a midi plug and for example, um, the Eventide H9, which is one of our uh, favorite little effect engines, um, is that that's what it's tailored for. So, and so what you can do is you can just play like play your instrument, play your easel. Um, but let's say you have like a like a reverb that comes in and out and and starts breathing or resonating uh, with it. So you change the tempo on the easel, and the thing follows along. Or you, for mm. example, use your switches to make some different uh, delay rhythms that one goes like bong, 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 and then you go like da, 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 something like this. And so you, you keep the control, the main control, at your fingers with a card and the easel, and your other things follow along. That will be the next thing for the card bus. That's great. I mean, because I, yeah, like you're saying, everybody tries to get MIDI going into the easel and... From what I can tell, I mean, maybe the new the new two eight C sounds like it'll be much easier. Um, yeah, but... the, in, the in is not a problem. So in, I mean, you could do that before with a program card or with like the little USB thingy and like a a double thing. But we want to do the other way around. We want to keep yeah. it there that it starts there and the rest is following along. Yeah, I was gonna say like because then yeah, you can. I like the idea of like driving a a drum machine 
clock or something from the easel into it instead of having the easel kind of yeah, slip to that. Kyle, you've never used MIDI in your life. <laughs> I know, but... Yeah, and it's, you know, uh, it's I, I know it scares a lot uh, a couple of uh, people, but just look at it as a cable. Um, the the format is just it's just um, like also like it's it's growing now. We have MIDI two point zero and stuff like that. Um, it's it's so nice if you just have yeah. Like, so, see, Robert, I was waiting for two point zero, man. <laughs> exactly. Good good call. <laughs> yeah, all, all you really need to know is that in goes to out and out goes to in. <laughs> uh, can you write that down for me? Yeah. You'd be surprised. I mean, people still struggle with that. And it makes sense. I mean, the jack's labeled in, and then you have another connection labeled in on a different synthesizer. You'd think you'd connect those two together, but mm -hmm. that's not how it goes. So you guys went on a tear last year and put out, was it all 10 H modules? I think it was eight. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you had the other two. You had um, mm -hmm. the circus and the uh, yeah. tour. At the end of 2018. That's mm -hmm. right. So. Um, so yeah, tell us about the kind of decision to uh, to go into the H module route. New people. Okay. Um, we could we could totally feel that um, the the people who wanted our big modules uh, were the people who already had a system and they were desperately looking for something fresh, like fresh blood. So because everything was there, nothing was coming out in E and um, the the wonderful things that uh, that Keen is doing, um, it's really hard to to get your hands on. So first we wanted to give people like the 2OC and also like the 2TT and but then that was kind of, it was there. And then we were looking at, okay, what, what do we do? And um, so we scaled the whole thing down and went for looked at these H modules that Bookla themselves made and we're like well they're just copies or, or half versions of what they have so what but can't we use this format and so we started to make the first very very simple thing with was um, the the voltage circus and um, the idea was that all of these modules are DIY all of them are accessible to everyone there's no um, like hard to get parts in it. Everything can, can be get at uh, Thonk and Mauser. And uh, we want to we want to bring new people to the whole format because I think that that's what it really needs, that people see it as a as an easy to access format. There's not like a massive price tag of like a like a new car attached to it anymore. And you can do it yourself if you want. That was the, the mm -hmm. main intention. And that is also what we will um, do this year now that we have like a complete system almost. That's maybe one or two missing. Um, but uh, you can really go there and say like, okay, I have an oscillator already, um, but I would like to build a filter or a mixer or a drum thingy. And uh, that that was the idea. Yeah. And had you, did you guys have any H modules before? Or like, yeah, had you kind of used the Buchla ones or Bemi ones? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have, to, I have two in the shelf, yeah. Yeah, and you have the you have a you I have used a it for the well. to to get the distance for the screws. But I mean, like the I mean the original ones they have this um, non-standard power connector, so that was like one of the the first letdown for people that they say like, oh, I need another case for that, and we're like, oh, yeah, no, we're not doing that. So we're going we're, we're putting our power con uh, converters into the board, and have like a standard standard wire so that they will always work. Mm. Yeah, the the Buchla H-Series adapter 
you know, mm-hmm. for their little mini jack, their mini plugs on the power. Is, those are kind of hard to get, mm-hmm. it seems. They don't seem to sell them anymore yes. or they're otherwise mm-hmm. on it. So I, I have a couple of H modules that I can't put into my big system because I don't have the bus board in that to, to support those little modules. Mm-hmm. So they have to live off in the little M3. So your your stuff has the standard full-size Ookla Edge connector. Mm-hmm. And then you sent me this amazing little adapter so I could use one busboard power connection for both of those little, both of the um, power connectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they seem to work work well. So have you talked? To, have other customers talked to you about like the um, the challenges of managing power for? Because with an H module, you have half the size, but the a full slot on the busboard. Are there ways that we can? that you can like in the future figure out how we can power those without using up an entire bus board slot or cha- you don't want to change the connector to something proprietary. Is there an answer somewhere in the middle, the little connector card that you sent me or. Yeah, that that's basically the answer. And uh, I think you have the uh, one in two. We also have like a one in four version of that. Oh, wow. mm. Um. That will that will totally solve the problem. So, but I think um, it it also depends how much space you have, like in the boat, uh, vertically. So, and I think I think the one you have right now you can connect two, and then you have like one going left, one going right. But we we totally wanted to keep it on the standard on the older like like power system. That's uh, right. Well, the, I, think, the, uh, I think what we we, are, we would be a bit afraid of is you know trying to to create. A new connector or make a new connector making a new standard for example we don't really want that yeah yeah oh there are four standards let's make a unified standard oh now there are five standards <laughs> exactly well, case, the cases are all different you know the standoff the bus boards in my sa modular case are a different height than the ones in my older 24u my bucla 24 which is a little bit different from my lem 3 mm-hmm. so the you know you you break at work. We would say you break yourself into jail by trying to accommodate all of those different power yeah. connectors. So I guess just one one customer at a time will figure out how to solve the problem with their system. And I mean, like when you just look at the at the power board, you can also see that on some of the connectors, the the three um, I two C connectors are on the right side. On the other one, they're on the left side. So if we make like a vertical connector that goes there. Um, if you if you don't have that one free, it doesn't fit. So there's there's mm. even two ways of connecting it just to like an original standard board. How about like a nine volt battery adapter? Have <laughs> <laughs> you know battery yeah. outside my case, <laughs> and the H modules all plug right into that because they're not E, so they don't need the bus. <laughs> yeah, but you have to upconvert a couple of voltages and then invert and then hui, that will be big. Well, that's for the the engineers can figure that Everything out. Everything is like, empty in thirty seconds, it. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, rich hum yeah. from all that from all that power. Speaking of E series, mm-hmm. I think I know the answer to this question. But do you think you'll ever break into the uh, the E series market like our friends at Keen have? No. <laughs> They're the answer yeah. to that, but yeah, on the yeah. record. On on the record, no, yeah, it's not gonna. No, we we saw we thought about it. We talked about it for a while, and no, it's just not our thing. Um, I mean, 
with a with a bus sniffer and a little bit of time, uh, everyone can figure out what's going on, and then you can uh, emulate that. And right now there are really some interesting uh, approaches, like the 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 Wi-Fi one that is circling around. And I think what that whole system needs is a little bit of uh, fresh air. So I totally loved the idea of a preset manager, but if I would be the one who is designing one, I would design one that works like a matrix so that you have like a, like a, like a checkerboard, like a vertical and horizontal ones. And um, so you can store system presets, like a snapshot of, of all the modules as it is right now, but you should still be able to say, okay, now I just want to make variations of my filter. And there should also be a possibility of loading that back in. And I'm not sure that the, the bus system, the IC, I2C, is actually uh, capable of doing that. There are always reports of people having lockups and having too many <coughs> modules in the system or um, need repeaters or their boards don't work. So there's so, so much insecurity in the whole thing that mm -hmm. um, I don't really dare step into something that is um, that is so fragile at this point. Yeah. Um, I suggested that uh, they would actually go forward and maybe um, open the whole system or um, design something new that, that one can build on uh, onto, something that is stable, something reliable. Uh, but right now, it doesn't seem that that is the case. Yeah, my, my preset lockup problems are probably legendary by this point. <laughs> my fully functional, happy running system for a long time. I take a module out and put another one in. Mm -hmm locks up and it's never been the same. Like I, I hesitate to get anything new or to even, you know, re put, remove a power and put it back on. Like if I move a module, I'm so nervous about that because then it just makes my whole system unstable, mm -hmm. which is very um, disconcerting. And yeah, so I know where you're coming from. And I wondered too, you know, kind of continuing that thread a bit when I, I played with all of the modules that you sent us and I thought I don't really need in terms of storing the presets so that I can have multiple patches, I didn't really need that for most of them. Like the HTT can store its own memory. Yeah, you know, the, and, and that makes save, sense because kind of like if, you make a, if you make a sequence, you would like to keep that the other day. Yeah. And I didn't, the way I perform, I don't switch between presets live. I just, I use the presets as patch storage so that I can save my progress as I work through creating a, a piece. So for me personally, I don't feel like I'm missing anything, but for live performers or people who sequence presets and such that, you know, I think that they would see more value there, but it's, it's a value judgment too. I think your modules would be a lot more expensive if they had e support too, because of all the R and D you have to put into it. Mm -hmm. And then you have something, for example, like the ornaments uh, where there's a teensy and uh, that one stores around 200 parameters uh, in one go when you when you just uh, do the, the double long press on, on the right encoder because it basically stores all the settings for all applications that are in there. And um, yeah, to put that on a, on a memory system, that would require um, a lot of programming that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see that in, in, my, in my time, in my spare time right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we've had a, a ton of fun with these things that you, you sent us. Cool. Um, maybe to kind of dig into to some of them that we, we haven't talked about. I was mm -hmm. curious about the, the morphine mixer and what's happening in the more section to, um, to kind of get that distortion in the patch that I 
um, do on it that people will have just heard before this. Um, yeah, kind of add some distortion to the um, the eight bit synth voice, and it sounded great, and especially on the drums too. It's mm-hmm. also very cool. So yeah, I'm wondering kind of what's what's going on there. What's going on there is um, it's basically the same morphing circuit that there was in the old uh, COBOL. So it internally generates uh, a triangle and and a sine, and it then uh, it morphs the the incoming audio and that one together. And because you are going in with audio and the other one is like a really, really high voltage, um, it reacts in the middle area, depending on the level, very, very strongly. So you have like um, the, the... the offset for the level input and you, then you have like the the amount of how much morphing it goes into and the interesting thing is that you can go out from the morph and then back into one of the other audio inputs and use it there as a clear as a as a dirty channel so mm. yeah exactly so you use the switch to send it to the morph then apply a drastic amount of distortion then you take it out and feed it back into and then you can gotcha. even uh, CV the amount, or uh, like the the v- do CVCA again. Oh, that's cool. Yes, good, so you loop it back into it, uh, into itself. It, yeah, it's it started as as one of the component of the of the the sem uh, our little sem oscillator. Um, it it was going to be on board with it, and uh, it was just way too it, big. <laughs> yeah, but when when we started. When we put it in the H format, we we realized that we didn't have the place for it anyway, and uh, Sasha came up with 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 the idea of putting it in the mixer, which is uh, I I do same thing. I, I have a lot of fun with it. I think it sounds great. Um, it's uh, it is a bit out of the ordinary, so it's a bit of a an exotic circuit, really. Yeah, I, I, it's funny how I don't try and go for. I think just with how complex these oscillators oscillators can get with like you know am modulation stuff you can get some kind of gritty distorted mm-hmm. type of of sounds um and i get i do get some distortion by sometimes going through the preamp on like a 207 and kind of pumping that up um and that works to varying degrees but but yeah this was kind of nice just to you know it felt like a yeah turning on like a guitar pedal that's that was the idea, yeah, and 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 we we put it in the mixer because then then it's your decision on what sound you want to use it. So, if yeah, it's cool. Yeah, flicking up the um, the knobs, and even if you don't use it, then you can use those as like fast mute kind of switches too, mm-hmm. which is which was cool. Um, and then tell us uh, the story behind the the finger drums. Yeah, that's a fun module. Well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it started because, yeah, well, there's, there's a couple of reasons, right? Um, one of them is we wanted uh, a companion for the HTM, um, mm-hmm. for the, yes, the Trommel machine. Uh, I hope, I hope mm-hmm. my pronunciation is right. <laughs> and uh, so we've been looking at, at various things we could do, right? And um, so um, we had a look at what drum circuit was available uh, out there and the the doctor drum was one of them the boss the little boss drum machine circuits were, were there so there are uh we we tried with those another reason as well is we kind of wanted to have to be able to have a, some drum going on on the buckler without using half of the system if you know what i mean mm-hmm. 
you yeah. know, without having to patch a kick and some kind of something like a snare, but not quite. And yeah, by the end you're finished, you spent, you know, 45 minutes and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, we just wanted something fast and immediate. Um, part of that as well is, uh, we do, so HGM was one reason, um, um, and, uh, 2TT was the other is we have a great, a great module here, which was already there for, uh, providing a whole range of triggers. Um, yeah. So uh, having having a, a little drum module was was something we were looking for. Yeah, I really liked um, the immediacy with like the, the trommel machine into there. I mean, you just you get a you know just a drum machine going in you know two minutes. Um, you know where then on the H um, TT, you know you can really kind of get nerdy and specific on what you want. Um, you know, it takes a bit more more programming, but it's cool that that you have those those two options to go with it. Um, and yeah, and you're not using up a bunch of envelopes. And I like that, the the uh, the single mix audio out with everything in there, or you can patch those other things out separately too. I had fun running just specific drums through like the 277 delay and and stuff. It was yeah, very cool. Yeah, it was so fun. I can. I can see just having like yeah the the trauma machine and that like in a little sidecar you know like one yeah. module kind of case like right next just paired up I, with the easel and be good. I to thought go. about that. I thought about yeah, doing that. Yeah, that's right. So I, uh, that's that would be like lately I've had my my easel and a few edge module. So my my two eighteen is actually in my big case, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, and it it is yes, that's it. It's it's immediate. And uh, now saying that it's not a module like it's not for everybody. I can't see any book lab purist using or being fan of the of this particular module. But it's not what it was about. It was about <laughs> immediacy and fun, mm -hmm. and and the ability that everyone is be able to build it. So like when when you look at the H uh, series, we're we're dealing with uh, seventy millimeters by hundred millimeters PCBs. And uh, we we always use the, the the same core parts, so they also have to fit. So we have like very strict uh, size limitations um, when we when we make a new one that uh, that it has to fit in. Like when you, when you look at like the mutant drums, which sound absolutely gorgeous, but they're they're using like a like a whole or sometimes even a double stack the Eurorack PCB for one drum. And yeah. mm -hmm. we didn't want to do that. We wanted something that sounds really classic, old school, 80s kind of <laughs> Collins yeah. kind of style of drums. And and then we found that one. I was like, oh, yeah, that's doable. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even I used a lot of, I used some filtering on on stuff um, from from your filter. Mm -hmm. And it, that can change. Yeah, that one is the, pretty, uh, pretty drastic. So that is, that is a filter finally that, that packs a punch. Yeah, how so, how did that one come about? Uh, yeah, we have to like a lot of things. We have to thank uh, uh, Emily Gillette for um, coming up with fantastic filter ideas back then in the in the Shoti days. And uh, there was like uh, the four pole mission card that had like a digital switch where you could switch between different filter modes. And that core idea we we looked at and said like, can't we do this with a with a physical one? 
and then we, we stumbled upon the the mode that uh, that it's actually uh, doable and then we uh, we brought that uh, into the yeah into that format and uh, thought like wait a second they are all, everyone is putting in everyone is tapping in into four poles uh, of uh, low pass filtering what if we do, if we try three modes or three poles and that is the other side so even if it looks like uh, like it's a stereo filter it isn't uh, because one is like yeah based on four the other one on three and mm -hmm. uh, yeah so now you have basically 15 filter modes in in one module and then we normal them one one to the other so you can you can combine your own let's say two pole low pass with like a four pole high pass yeah yeah or like throw in the phaser somewhere mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then it, animate it, that and it goes like yeah really animate one against the other that stays a little bit more subdued yeah. and yeah it's it, it's, it's, it's a fine it's a fun one for extra drums as well. I mean, it's a very pingable filter in some of the mods. Uh, I don't know if you try much of that, but as a sound generator, it's it's actually really cool. There's also a uh, variation in that build. Uh, there's a there's a couple of Cena diodes on the back, and if you flip them around, you go from a filter that goes very early into self oscillation to a filter that is much more tame, and you need extra CV to go into uh, self oscillation. So yeah, there's like a drastic mm. mode and a more um, yeah, playable mode, I would say. Gotcha. With just flipping one diode. That's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess going so yeah, you've kind of been focusing on these these smaller things. Mm -hmm. Um do you have like a big uh two panel module <laughs> in you? <laughs> Maybe. I was wondering where we're gonna get to that. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> oh yeah, we do, we do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the 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 our little uh, oscillator on on which is uh, sem based, which you guys have in the in the system with uh, the sub oscillator and octave switch. So this mm -hmm. one started so as a as a two panel, and um, the the, the uh, we've been working on that triple oscillator for. For quite a while, I'd say, and uh, working on the edge module was great because it it did kind of help us with the prototyping, but as well as taking some of the design decisions that we took. Um, mm -hmm. But ultimately, uh, this module is gonna come as as a triple oscillator. Okay. Um, it it's I, I personally I do think it's 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 particularly fun because of the octave switch. Um, the Octave Switch is very playable. It's, it it tracks well, and uh, the the uh, yeah another part of the triple we wanted to add was uh, kind of an animator um, based on um, on our Cloud LFO. Huh? So just to add as well a lot of 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 possibilities, you could animate. Um, well, what oh yeah, so it has so kind of like having the the HED within yes, it. Yes, that's right, an onboard oh. HED. Yeah. Wow. And we're breaking yeah. a couple of the a couple of the LFO outputs uh, out into audio, which means you can use them for FM. Um, oh. All the all the LFO shapes. Then oh. the the single outputs from the three oscillators they are also normaled to the inputs of the other oscillators in the FM uh, channel. And um, we have uh, CV controlled uh, wave blending. So um, I think you have one of the, the new um, 
uh, HDOs, the one with the little red LED. And that is a built-in optical compressor. So before we had the, the problem that when we're adding all the waveforms, we're basically coming up to really, really high uh, voltage levels over like uh, four or five uh, volt. So we look, we're looking for a way how we can blend our waves and uh, still keep it like in the 1.5 to 2 rate. So, and then Paul Westergaard, uh, our wonderful partner in crime here in Denmark, he came up with that um, optical uh, compressor limiter circuit that we're, we're, we're running the, the, the audio by an LED. And the moment that it goes above 1.6, it starts soft clipping. So, and uh, that one is also integrated in all three of the, of the single oscillators in that one. So with sending CV to, to the amount of the saw and of the triangle and the sub os you're getting like waves that, 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 that change all the time over that yeah. based on the LFOs. So, so all three oscillators mm -hmm. will have three inputs mm -hmm. for each of their... Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. so you have nine That's CV uh, inputs for all the waves. And every oscillator has four, so you can always, uh, yeah, animate three of those. Crazy. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, I guess that was, yeah, when using that oscillator, that was one kind of thought. I was like, oh, it'd yeah. be cool if we could mm -hmm. CV those. And they will also get like a shared uh, a shared pitch input. What, one other feature that we will be on the on the triple oscillator, which isn't on the edge format what, one, is uh, we've been playing with the sync. So the, right. the, the, the right. yeah, that's it. The 3.340 has as a number of sync options. So we're currently implementing that to the tree, uh, the tree, the tree oscillator, and see where we can go from there. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's exciting. I guess yeah, that's benefits of either of going small is you know getting all all these functions in such a small space, but kind of nice to spread out and. Um, you know, really make something complex. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. And yeah. I, I might have missed it. What kind of oscillators are they? They're based on the, the Curtis or? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. The same 3340. So. Yeah. It's like the Prophet 5, right? Yeah, Prophet 5, SH101, and so many more, to be honest, yeah. Um, but um, one thing, I mean, uh, one thing which we were looking at is that it can it, it can track very very well. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Perfect. And yeah, so you know, like you could see a lot of which our is modules, hard in Bukla. Exactly, <laughs> and very hard. A lot, a lot of our modules we've been looking at trying to do is there something different? Um, and like rather than doing. Uh, you know, any another complex oscillator, we didn't want to do that, so we went for something that tracks really, really well, you know, to have something a bit original. Will that be DIY, or is it DIY and a complete module, or just a complete module? I guess it will be that complex that you don't really want to DIY that. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like the TTSH. Um, no, that one is super easy, <laughs> but, but it has kind of the same. Just just takes a while. Yeah. yeah well, here's yeah. the thing: on the TTSH, if you if you break the module to module module power connections, then you can actually um, test one um, separated from the other. But then you have to afterwards rewire everything again. And with like a massive thing like that, it's the same problem. So the the idea with like the H series is is that it's manageable. 
that if um, something's wrong, you can always look at it from the backside. All the parts are on one side. And if there's something not okay, you can fix it. But if you quadruple that and everything is interlinked, whew, there's a lot <laughs> to look for. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you kind of roughly have an estimate of, uh, of what your customers are buying kind of pre-built compared to the DIY? You mean how long it takes to build one or? No, sorry. Like, um, like are more people uh, coming to you and buying the DIY compared to the, the pre-built ones that you sell on your website? Um, definitely the pre-built ones. And that is also the reason why we will start running workshops. Because I uh, still think that uh, too many people are scared of uh, the whole SMD part. So the way that we designed them is that um, you don't need magnifier glasses. You don't need like a microscope or stuff. The only thing that one need is like a $50 uh, hot air gun and some solder paste. And if you've done that uh, under yeah supervision of someone for like an hour or two, uh, you'll actually see how easy it is to cream the board, how place things, and afterwards also to to solder it in a way that it looks nice. Like mm. I've I've seen some SMD things built by people with an iron. That uh, yeah, <laughs> I need a schnapps just a second. <laughs> but if you if you start this the not with the tools you know, but with like the the new set, it's super easy and it's it leads to really really good results uh, without frying the things. So. We will run the first workshop in Copenhagen uh, within a couple of months and they're then hopefully spreading out to um, yeah, the rest part of Europe and maybe even get something off the ground in the States. Because, yeah, you, yeah. you, you need like to sit down for two hours with someone who knows where, how this works and then it's no problem to build your own, your own uh, modules in SMD. Switching gears again... Um you guys helped out Suzanne Chani with the uh, Eventide H9 mod that you did. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us how that came to be and what it was like working with her. Um, well, the whole thing started by me looking at my system and saying, why is there no effects? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And then someone said like, oh, just get like a 289. And yes. um, I did. And it wasn't really what I was looking for. I was looking for something more vanilla. Like I just wanted a nice sounding reverb. And um, I I had an H9 laying here. And I don't know if it was uh, the red wine or something like that. I just put the mod, the, like the, the pedal straight on my buckler rack. And I'm like, oh, wow, this could fit. <laughs> and I took a screwdriver and I opened it. And I'm like, yeah, that totally can fit behind a panel. <laughs> And uh, that's basically how it started. And uh, then we, we uh, after I had the first one on an acryl panel, we were like, there's something, there's something essential missing. And um, we, we tried to figure out a way how we can use the foot pedal input that the, that the pedal has um, and convert that so that we can use CV inputs. And mm -hmm. after that problem was solved, uh, we had a video or two in the net and then Susan just sent me an email and said like, hey, is it, is it right that you you put like an eventide uh, in, in Bukla and can I have one? And then I sent her the first one and uh, that was okay. But she said like, well, the levels of the Bukla are way too high. 
and uh, the Eventide can't take that. So she talked with uh, Tony from Eventide, and he came up with like a very effective and simple uh, voltage divider that is now standard on the input side that just takes the level down uh, to 25% of its input. Mm. And then we built her a second one. And now she's using those in the little external uh, LEM case. That's so cool. So she she reached out to you. That's mm -hmm. awesome. And yeah, I guess I, I have, I have, yeah, noticed that. I, I only have like the Eventide space and I will overload that thing a lot if I'm going kind of directly into it. Mm -hmm. Well, then you also have knobs and buttons on it. So that's that's yeah. the good thing with a, with a single um, direction pedals, like the red and blue one. The white yeah. one is so great because it's so versatile, but you kind of need a controller for it. Yeah, Which is then the next thing that we did. Yeah, so tell us about that one. So that's kind of kind of like the, the car DM like you were talking about. But yeah, that's the like exact same form. internal intercal uh, circuit. On, so that is uh, like the, the, the H9 has like 10 parameters that you can, can change, but it only has three buttons. So you can preload these buttons with, uh, let's say, delay time or reverb depth or um, harmonic content that is being to edit and then you can use this big knob in the in the middle but the moment that you want to change to another one you have to re reprogram one of those buttons and mm -hmm. that didn't really fly uh, with us so we looked at uh, how can we get that directly and uh, even midi makes this wonderful controller and that is what we like we're using their uh, mcu and we designed an analog uh, input bay for that thing which is based on an offset and uh, a positive negative attenuator so now you can actually use uh, 10 modular uh, cv signals to animate your h9 wow wow and what's the quarter inch out do on the hem or the 2a it's an input it's for it's for a foot pedal oh oh okay the, the black yeah. it's an input yeah yeah the whole <laughs> thing has a performance mode and it has like uh, has a live mode in, in normal programming mode, um, every channel every or every input is just outputting a normal CC. When you put it into live, it can actually transmit on four channels and you can you, you can run, you can control four pedals at the same time. And in the performance mode, it's um, you basically record one set of controls and then record another one and you can alternate between those two. Wow. Mm -hmm. MIDI is cool, man. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm all about it. I have a 10... <laughs> 10 in out patch bay, MIDI patch bay in my studio. I'm, I've got MIDI going everywhere. There's a lot of applications which are really cool. I mean, being able to synch synchronize your, your delay to uh, any triggers in your modular is just, just fantastic. So, yeah, you guys have anything else kind of in store coming up this year? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm still sitting at the Spectral Resonator, the, uh, yeah, the 4MS. And um, we we had to design a new audio uh, mixing um, yes. patch bay for that yeah. thing because I I wanted to be in the uh, the last module in the chain so you shouldn't be able you shouldn't necessary to root the audio and and plug it around it should just be transparent yeah. and mm -hmm. also I wanted to do with all the switches wanted to do away with all uh, all those and so we have like a new MCU that um, yeah takes in all the uh, all the different programs. Um, so that one hopefully will be done at Superbooth. And um, yeah, we also have two more H uh, modules coming. One is done. Okay. Sounds like that. <laughs> is that. Is that it clicking right now? Yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 
It's a Rukla foot foot pedal. It's one giant green button that you tap with your foot. Yeah, you got to send clock signals. Kick kick your case. (laughs) And the other one will be a very interesting uh, envelope uh, module. That's kind of the missing link. So, I mean, you might might have noticed that you had our system and uh, you couldn't do like just some classic envelopes. You had to use the OC for that. So mm-hmm. that whole yeah. that whole needs to be filled. That's that's the next one uh, that, that we're working on. Well, yeah. Well, thanks so much for for being on the show, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. You're so welcome. It was yeah. a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much, guys. I'd like to thank Mark and Sasha for being on the show. Check out northernlightmodular.com for information and to purchase their modules, which they sell in DIY and bulk versions. Puzzler Modcast is having Morgan from Wrong Electronics on next week's show, so check that out. And Esoteric Modulation just had an awesome chat with the musician and producer Jamie Liddell. Uh, that was a great episode, so check that out. And they also have Amulets coming up on their show in March. Amulets is awesome. Saw him at Velocity. Yeah, it's great. Waveform Magazine is changing their subscription model. So visit waveformmagazine.com for more details on how to get the quarterly digital and or print magazine. If you want to help support the show, you can do so through Patreon at patreon.com slash source of uncertainty. You can find out more about the show or contact us through our awesome website at so sourceofuncertainty.audio it's the best thing we've ever done we'd love to hear from you <laughs> find us on instagram at source of uncertainty and we'll see you next month bye